All right, well, welcome everybody. My name is Tom Miller, and I am really excited to be with you here today. We got some folks joining us from all over the country, and um, this is one of my favorite, favorite lessons to teach. If this is your first ever time with us, welcome. Uh, let us know where you're joining us from in the chat box. That would be incredible. Uh, tell us something you want to learn. Anything about communication that you know is a challenge or a barrier for you. And, uh, and uh, my goal is to serve you at the highest level possible. Communication is probably the most important leadership strategy uh, that you could ever, ever master. Right? We'll talk more about that uh, today. And, and, and for some of you, there will be an opportunity for you to continue to, to work with us over time if you're not already working with us in terms of communication. We, we really want to uh, support you in your long-term goals. A little bit about uh, my company. Again, if it's the first time leaders building leaders, I mean, you're, you're uh, joining us for the first time or maybe it's, you know, you know, maybe one of your first couple of times. I'm a former charter school principal who was first an exceptional children's teacher and I worked for the state, uh, the Office of Charter Schools and started my company six years ago. And um, I'm gonna tell you some, some stories of today that may make you never wanna be on our calls again. I don't know, I hope not. <laughs> I hope my, my goal is always to tell you my story so it accelerates your learning and to help you get from, from here to there, wherever that may be. So I see there's a couple more folks who are coming in. Welcome everybody. Let us know, make sure you've got your um, downloaded workbook and let us know where you're joining from. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I'm going to start with a story if that's okay. So about, uh, let's see what year is it? It's 2020. <clears throat> so about 10, 10 years ago when I was, when I was a middle school principal, I was just in my, in my second year as a middle school director, uh, on a very cold January morning, uh, I was in the southeast of North Carolina. So, you know, cold at the at the beach is like I don't know, 50. <laughs> and I know we got some people for, who are here on the mountain who are live in the mountains. So you have no idea what 50 degrees is a warm spell for you. But it was a cold morning, and I got a phone call from a friend who was a DEA agent, okay? He was a DEA agent and it was about 8.15 in the morning and it was a Monday and he said, hey Tom, uh, how's it going? I was like, okay, I never really called me before, so what's, so what's going on? And he said, I just wanted to see if you had any uh, interesting conversations with anybody on your staff today. And I was like, oh no, we just got here. You know, school just started, what's, uh, what's up? And he started to tell me a story about um, one of my teachers who was in the wrong place at the wrong time over the over the weekend and uh and and you know was caught in an undercover sting operation i was like oh my gosh my mind was racing right i was i was going through my list of staff members right if you're a principal on this call like you're starting to oh yeah i know who that might have been on my on my team and you know noting that he's a dea agent and he uh and then he mentioned the the name right it was and it was the the teacher at our school, like the really key uh, instructor that every parent wanted their kid to have and had so many great relationships. So I was like, oh my gosh. So I thanked him for his time and, and for his phone call and, and I quickly hung up and I called my boss and my boss gave me two ultimatums. He said, uh, he said, find out the truth and get them to resign. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> So 
as I was walking to the teacher's classroom, I started to think to myself, like, what, what am I going to say? Like, how do I even start this conversation, right? Yeah, you know, give me a message in the chat box, like a yes, like you've ever been walking somewhere and you're trying to think about, like, play the conversation out of your head. Like, what is this even going to feel like or be like? And so, well, I did what I first thing came to mind. So I opened the door. I said, hey, good morning. How was your weekend? Anything you want to talk about? Knowing that I wasn't there to check in with them personally. You know, he invited me to sit down. He started to tell me about oh, over the weekend how he had made a mistake and really felt bad about it. And uh, actually, he said, I was, I was considering coming to your office this afternoon to uh, resign. I, I accept. <laughs> you know, I basically jumped across the desk and uh, maybe a little too hastily. And so we had some, some good conversation and we created a plan together. And, and um, I walked into their, to their door and right before they got in their car, um, you know, uh, they asked, what are you going to tell everybody? And I said, well, the truth. And they're backing me the, the truth. I think, yeah, that you, that you had a better opportunity somewhere else. I closed the door you know, behind them and they drove away. And as I walked back to my office, I started to think about, yeah, what, what am I going to tell everybody? <laughs> what am I going to say? It really doesn't matter what I say because no one's going to believe me. No one's going to believe this, right? You know, no one's going to believe that you had a better opportunity someplace else, right? So that afternoon, I called an emergency staff meeting and I let them know that such and such had a better opportunity and, and uh, they wouldn't be with us anymore and here would be the plan moving forward. And of course, right, if you're a principal on this call, you know, like, give me a yes in the chat box. Let me know you guys can hear me. If you're a principal on the call, like, you're knowing like this is not going to go well. These conversations never, never go well when you're talking to staff. Right. Or if you're if you're a teacher or or anybody on here, you could say, yeah, yeah, we never believe you, Tom. <laughs> we can't believe you. So I let him know what the plan was. And, and of course, like, you know, the rumors were flying and over the next you know, 24 to 48 hours, it was really hard to control. I mean, like, in fact, it would have been just easier if I could have just told him the truth. You know. And so being concerned, if now this is 2009 or 10, right? So if you guys remember, some of you are very young, but there was those Blackberries and, and you know, and a Blackberry was this kind of like fat rectangle square thing. I don't know. It was a shape. It was fat. But I had one of those otter boxes on it, so it was giant. It was like this massive thing in my hand. And I'll never, I'll never forget, like, you know, when it buzzed, it made this crazy noise. So it was a text message, you know, from them, you know, saying, hey, look, you know, I've been hearing some rumors and, you know, I'm a little concerned. And, and I said, look, I told you that, you know, as long as I am in charge, the story will always be that you had a better opportunity somewhere else. Right. You know what I told you at that car that you had a better opportunity. That's what I told everybody. And I just took a deep breath and I. And I couldn't even get the phone down to put it down on my desk before it buzzed again. And, and when I lifted it up, you know, the message was this, that it was a shame something like this had to happen for me to know that you cared about me. A shame something like this had to happen for me to know that you cared. I mean, this, as a young, as a young principal, 
this shook me. That this that this teacher, this you know beloved teacher, a situation had to come where they had to you know, resign from their position, <laughs> and me to me to help you know try to help settle the issues, right? To 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 stall the rumors, to to keep legacy, to keep faith. This is what this is what had to happen for for this person to know that I cared about them. It made me really rethink as a leader. I mean, you know, tell me if you're with me on this chat or you may have already left the call. <laughs> it's like, I'm not learning anything from this guy. But I mean, like, you know, think about it. We think that we're, you know, we think that we're doing our job, you know, as leaders by running around and putting out fires and trying to help everybody and do everything we can for the betterment of, you know, children. But the truth is, that's just part of our job. Our main job is, is taking care of those that are in our charge, right? It's, it's, it's accomplishing things through people. But if the majority of your staff or members of your staff, especially key members of your staff, think that you don't care about them, then you're doing something wrong. And I was doing something wrong. And I was doing something wrong. And that's what I'm going to, you know, talk about, you know, today is this, 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 this was a lesson that you know, people don't care how much you know until they, until they know how much you care. That's the very top of your worksheets, the first, the first piece. If people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It, it, because otherwise, you know, otherwise you're just, you're just talking. <laughs> you're just talking. You're just communicating. You know, and, and, and so, you know, some of you know me, maybe you've come to one of our, you know, trainings before, right? Or somebody maybe said, hey, you got to, you might want to fix your communication, you know, go hop on this webinar. I mean, whatever it is, right? There's a, there's a reason why you signed up to be here with me today to invest your time. You're already working extremely hard. But with some of you, I'm, you know, borrowing influence, right? I don't have influence with you. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I, I maybe have a resource and you're like, all right, I'll try this, but that's not influence. That's not connecting with people. And that's, we're going to talk a lot about that today. There's a major difference between letters behind your name or a title and true influence, right? So why might you listen to me today? Or, you know, I'm a former National Board Exceptional Children's teacher. I was I was a charter middle school director, which you've already heard one of my horror stories. I was I spent a couple of years in the office of charter schools when the you know charter schools were, you know, growing and the cap was um, eliminated and and the real massive growth of charter schools uh, started. And the last six years, I've owned my own business, uh, supporting principals and charter schools and teams and individuals uh, be a better them, right? And uh, I'm also a member of the world's largest leadership training company, which is the John Maxwell team. But these are all just things. This is positional leadership, everybody. And I'm here to tell you that that's the lowest form of leadership. And if you want to truly connect with somebody, you have to gain their permission to lead them. Does that make sense? Tell me, yes, that makes sense in the box. If, if you understand that just because you're an assistant principal or a principal or, or a director or a teacher, or like a parent on this call, it doesn't mean that you have any influence over anybody. You have 
positional authority over people. But until you gain their permission, they're only going to achieve <laughs> the minimum that they have to for you. And that's probably the hardest part to understand in leadership. Right? If you don't have influence, you're not going to be able to lead others. And leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. And everybody in your organization, community, house, is a leader of somebody. <laughs> right? Because the only commonality of all leaders is that you know, they all have followers. So someone's going to follow you. You may not want those people to follow you, but they are, right? But the true sign of his leader is, is, is that who can gain influence in a 360 degree, you know, people who are above them, you know, people who are at the same level as them, people who are uh, below them. And that means that they'll do something, right? They'll achieve something. They'll, they'll try something that they thought was impossible because you've influenced them to be able to move forward. Now, real quick, just a little bit more about me, and then, and then, and then we'll move on. We'll get started here, because that's what you're saying. Hey, Tom, I ain't got all day here. Come on. Uh, this is my family and, and um, my wife, Jennifer, who I met in seventh grade. So we've known each other for 30 years now. And my daughter, Devin, who's going to be a rising seventh grader. So that's just a fascinating thing to think about. My son, Matthew. And uh, bottom right-hand corner there, he, he loves mascots. So if you can pick what mascot he's trying to, trying to be there, I got a special gift for you. And uh, there's the queen of our house at Dorsey. She's 14 and still acts like she's like four. So, uh, but this has been, our, <laughs> I wouldn't say this is our quarantine world, but down in the mascot corner, that's, that's a pretty much our quarantine world there. So this is, this is my family and, and I have, uh, you know, positional leadership over, a couple of them, but uh, it doesn't mean that they always listen to it. <laughs> so back into your back into your uh, workbook, right? So everybody should be looking at page one here of your workbook, and I put the link in in the chat box if you didn't get to download your workbook. But go ahead and download. you don't have to; it's okay. If you want to take your notes in a book, that's great. So what I want you to do is I want you to write down. I want you to think about right now. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about somebody. Who, who has influence over you, right? Somebody that you follow, somebody that you're, you have a deep connection with, okay? Think back. And I want you to write down, when you think of them, what are the character traits that led to that connection with you? What were the character traits that they have? And you know, once you got a couple, go ahead and type them in the chat box so we can all kind of see what everybody's attracted to here connection-wise. Did they display honesty? What are their character traits? We know for sure that connectors value people, right? So maybe they made you feel valued. Maybe they were trustworthy, all right? Type yours in the chat box. Let me know what they were. Were they trustworthy like Winston Churchill? He was able to, <laughs> he was able to influence you more than a nation. It was, you know, the world through the radio, 
right? Everybody trusted his words. Were they visionary, like Dr. King, who, who, didn't, have, who didn't have Twitter, right, or Instagram to announce his, his uh, speech at the mall, but he was able to attract a million people <laughs> to be there of all sorts of races and cultures and you know, genders. He was so visionary. He said, he said, I have a dream. He didn't say, I have a plan. He said, I have a dream. <laughs> so visionary. Cool. So we got some, we got trustworthy, respectful, understanding, supportive. Great. Thanks, Stephanie. Yeah. Thanks, Esther. Uh, trustworthy. Are they charismatic maybe like Jimmy Fallon? You know, I mean, I never was a Jimmy Fallon fan when he was on Saturday Night Live, uh, but I don't know. I can't, I can't help but keep him on. If I see him on for a couple minutes or if I see like YouTube, but, you know, he's, just, he's very charismatic. Like he makes me smile. He makes me laugh. You know, he's just, he's just a, a good around person to be around. Let me see some of your other character traits, maybe pragmatic, like Simon Sinek. Like does he really, really make you think, right? You know, if you know Simon Sinek, you wrote start with why and ask incredible questions. And he's all about, he's all about influencing and an accomplishment through people. He's about taking care of others. He wants self-help books to be stop written and just write, you know, books about helping others. Is this thing? Are they a consensus builder like, oh, you know, um, Oprah Winfrey? I mean, she's she's has united, united so many partnerships and so many people across uh, the world. She's a very very powerful person. Right. So whatever the trait may be, whatever the trait may be, anytime somebody meets you they're always asking themselves these three questions. These three questions when they first meet you. And it just takes about four to seven seconds. <laughs> the first question is, do you care about me? All right, so think about it from an education standpoint. This is exactly what your families are thinking, your students are thinking the first time that you meet you. And it happens like this. Does this person care about me? Can they help me? And can I trust you? Now I hear you right now. You're like, uh, wait, am I on the right webinar? This was a this was a webinar about communication. <laughs> I was talking about whether people care about me, help me, and trust you. Well, let me tell you, everybody, you cannot connect with people. You cannot communicate anything unless you have their trust. You have their influence. So if they don't think you care about them and they don't think you can help them and they don't trust you, they're not going to listen to you, right? Give me a yes in the box if you agree, a no if you disagree. They may hear words. <laughs> it doesn't mean they're going to do anything. Come on, give me a yes or a no. Let me know you're with me here. This is a this is a communication workshop here now. I know it's through the through the webinar, but help me out here. You care about me? You help me? Can I trust you? Those are three questions. And people need to do these three things. People need to know, like, and trust you before they will allow themselves to be influenced by you. Now say that out loud to yourself, wherever you're at. People need to know, like, and trust me before they'll allow themselves to be influenced by me. Now I'm a consultant, and I've learned the hard way that if I don't follow this formula, nobody's going to listen. When I train large groups and when we do whole staffs and there's a hundred people in the room, like I know and I understand these three questions. I'm only here basically because 
I had to, right? Because my, because I got an email from my boss and said I had to be here at one o'clock or whatever it is. It's my job to connect with people and understand that people need to know, like, and trust me before they'll listen to anything about me, right? Hopefully this is resonating. Your staff meetings, your, your, your NTSS meetings, your parent meetings, like all these things are happening. I want you to think about it. Think about it in your personal life. If you don't trust someone, you're only going to uh, communicate and participate with them to the, to, the, to the bare minimum, right? They need to know that I can trust you before they'll be influenced by you. Now, I'm not super bright. I got 700 on my SAT scores. And now this is back when it was only out of 1600, right? So now it's what, out of 2400. I can't even imagine what my score would be now, but 700 on my SAT scores. And, and I remember that I failed uh, eighth grade algebra, bombed it. Now, the good thing that I've realized in life, everyone, is that you only have to be good in algebra, and no offense to any math people, but you only have to be good in algebra, really, you, you know, pretty much during his algebra class. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've used algebra since then, so many times in my world. It's no offense to algebra, it's wonderful. But we communicate all day, like all day long, you're, you are communicating, whether you are silent with your words or not, you are communicating. Like right now, if I was to pop on the screen and be able to see all your, all your faces, like I, I would know, like, you know, you're all communicating. We're all communicating all day. Now, the thing is, tell me how many classes have you taken to be a better communicator in life? You know, besides maybe like the public speaking class that you maybe took in high school or college, like one, you know, 15 hour or was it, you know, 15 week course. Tell me what else you've taken that's, that, has, that has taught you how to effectively communicate. Now the Harvard Business Review noted that communication, right, is the number one criteria for advancement and promotion for professionals. Communication is. Yet we spend very little time teaching people and practicing communication. You get a brand new teacher, comes to your school, you automatically assume that they know how to communicate effectively with parents, how to collaborate with their colleagues, how to write an email, how to call home the first time. Like we just assume, we just let them loose and fail forward, don't we? Yeah, there we go. As Stephanie said, she's had to learn through life experiences. Yeah, right? And, and, and if we don't have anybody in our life, Stephanie, who's gonna tell us, <laughs> that we're wrong, we're going to continue to do it wrong because we learn through our environment. Like we, we don't know what we don't know. So the single biggest problem in all communication is the illusion that it's actually taking place. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it's actually taking place. This should stop everybody in their tracks. Any failed anything, you could link back to a communication problem. Any school improvement initiative that fell short, communication, based upon trust probably, right? Based upon those three questions. 
if you've ever had this experience, and maybe like lately, you guys, because we're all on Zooms or we're all on, you know, virtual meetings, like you're just, you know, you just hear it gets all wonky. It goes in and out. It's a challenge back and forth. Hey, can you hear me now? And, you know, someone's really trying to communicate something very, very important. You're like, you want to hear? And you just start, you know, you start yelling at your phone, right? Or yelling at your device or you're uh, blaming your internet or you're blaming Roe or, or like you're blaming COVID. You're just mad because the person's not hearing you. Or maybe you've led, you know, uh, meetings and you come into the meeting and you're all prepared and you've got all the, all, all the bullet points that you want to share and communicate as the leader. And, and you feel really good that you, because you got through all your points because, you know, nobody had any questions. But let me tell you right now, everybody, if you lead a meeting and none of your people are asking questions, none of your people are participating, none of your people are bringing ideas to the table, you've got a problem. Because you're going to walk out of that meeting you're thinking what George uh, Bernard Shaw said, the single biggest problem is that communication is taking place. I told them what to do. I communicated my goals, but I didn't connect with them. Tell me, like, give me a raised hand if you've been in one of these meetings, you know, uh, give me a yes, where like the leader is just talking and talking and talking <laughs> and they're not asking questions and they're not opening up. And even if they did open up, even if they did give me a chance to ask a question, if I gave an idea, I don't think that anybody is going to actually participate, which actually happened on a coaching call this morning. I was coaching a teacher and they specifically said, I don't think it really matters if I participate in a meeting because nobody listens to me. Leaders who fail to listen to their people will eventually be surrounded by folks who don't talk. Leaders who fail to listen to their people will eventually be surrounded by those who won't share. Because <laughs> what's the point, right? Too many, yeah. Thanks for hanging in there, Stephanie. I, I love your participation now, everybody else. Now, here we go. Here's a great leadership story. I've already given you one Zoomer. Here's another, here's another classic. Now, when I was a principal, I wanted to be, I was Thor. I had my hammer. I was the Hulk. I'd smash things and fix things. Like, I would just, I would just be wanting to help and fix everybody. I was, I was a hero. I wanted to be everybody's hero. And so when my boss said, hey, Tom, we're doing uh, 360 surveys, right? So we're going to send surveys out to the elementary staff and the middle school staff and some parents and then, and then the front office people. And, you know, we're just going to get some uh, feedback on how you're doing as a leader. Oh, man, I'm going to crush this. I'm like, I'm already a leader, so don't worry about it. No problem. This is going to be great. And then my results came, <laughs> my 360 results. And it used words like unapproachable, abrupt, does not listen, too busy, too distracted, stubborn. Like, what? How could this possibly be? Like, I am here for everybody. How could it possibly be? And to be honest, if you know uh, Bobby Knight, like, I went to go Bobby Knight in my office. I threw some chairs. I got, I got pretty angry at this. Because here I was, you know, spending 12, 14 hours a day working my butt off reading everything, sharing everything, trying to be in every meeting, solving everybody's problem with my bet. And, and, and this is what I got. These were my 360 results. So I immediately reached out to my mentor and I said, yeah, I was like, look, I'm out of here. Like, this is ridiculous. I, I mean, I've done everything for these people. 
And he said, hey, Tom, it's, it's not enough to just work hard. And it's not enough to, to just do a great job. But to be successful, you need to learn how to really communicate with others. And that means communicating on their agenda, not on your agenda. He said, he said you've, got a, you've got a big heart, but leadership begins and ends with you, but it has nothing to do with you. And I was like, what, what are you even talking about? Leadership begins and ends with me, but it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with me. I'm the head of the school. I'm the head of the organization. <laughs> Boy, I was wrong. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I was wrong. So as uh, Stephanie pointed out, right, you know, no training, had to learn, had to learn through the hard way at this time. So what I'm going to do now for the rest of our time, it'd be about, you know, 25 minutes or so, I'm going to take you through two of the 10 principles of this book, Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. I mean, this was, this, this book for me has been the Bible of communication. So if you've ever read it, you know, give me a yes, I've read it, or I want to, or whatever. Uh, I'm going to teach you two of the 10, because that's pretty much all we have time for uh, today. And just, you know, uh, remember, like, this is a catalyst towards future growth, right? And, and as I mentioned, I started called there. If you want to keep on learning with us, we've got opportunities to improve your communication. I guess that will, you know, uh, depend whether you think this is any good, what I'm about to teach you or not. And, and you're welcome to do it on your own. And that's a book that I would highly recommend uh, to help you. So the first one, so I'm on page two of your workbook. Everybody, make sure you got your, got your workbook with you. The first practice that we're going to talk about is connecting that begins by finding common ground. Connecting begins by finding common ground. And so these eight, these eight areas here. So number one is availability, right? If you're going to, if you're going to connect with people, you need to be available. And this, and this means not just having like, hey, I got an open spot on my calendar. Go ahead and sign up when you want. <laughs> or leaving your door open. Open door policies do not create connection. They make you feel good, right? We judge ourselves on our own intentions, but we judge others by their results. So being available means like leaning in. It means, it means you know, leading by walking around. It means by anything, any means necessary that you are there for your people. Asking questions, listening, hearing, right? Listening to understand, not to reply, like, the key piece, and that's obviously the second one, is listening, right? So this availability and listening go hand in hand. It's so critical that you get really good at listening. We have a, um, a lesson called the five levels of listening. And um, if you keep on working with us, you know, maybe you already have access to it, but it's really great to really think about. There's so many levels of listening that you have to understand that you go through on a daily basis because there's constant noise, right? So availability and listening and listening right? To, to, to understand, not to reply to somebody, not looking for a pregnant pause that you can hop in and share their story. And I want you to be thinking about that person who was your influencer and that uh, connector and see how many, I guarantee they were always available and I guarantee they were really great listeners, right? There's amazing listeners and they ask questions. 
they ask lots and lots of questions and are super curious and they're all about you. And, 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 and so like, I'm so excited next uh, Thursday, my first mentor, John Hachetti, he's, he's a Dean in Australia right now. And Australia is bringing kids back to school. And so we're going to, um, as part of my inner circle uh, group, we're going to bring him and a principal who's in Australia live into our inner circle mastermind group and to, and to share with us, like, what are they experiencing? What are they going through? I mean, and John was so good. He was the ultimate connector. He's the one who taught me so much about leadership, you know, being about other people and not being about me. So if you're part of our inner circle, that'd be awesome. If you're not, we would love to have you. Thoughtfulness, right? You're just, you're just constantly thinking about other people. This is an area where I have to grow. Like, it's, and my wife is so good about it. She's always thinking about other people, right? She's always thinking about, you know, putting their needs before my needs, right? Or other people's needs, you know, before their own. Being open, and this is about being, you know, <laughs> sharing some vulnerable stories, which a lot of leaders won't do. Like, they're terrified of being open about where they mess up. And they, you know, can be further from the truth that's more important. Be vulnerable. And that's how you help other people grow is by sharing how you learned, right? Like as Stephanie said, I've had to learn through life experiences. Well, use the curriculum of your life to teach other people. <laughs> that's a great training moment. Use the curriculum of your own life to teach other people. Be likable. Uh, show humility, right? This doesn't mean you think less of yourself. It just means you think you know, of yourself less often, <laughs> you know, not all about you. We're all, we're all kind of narcissists. And if you don't that, believe me, when we do open up, you know, sporting events again, just go and watch the big screen. And everybody who gets on big screen, the first thing that they look at is they look at someone else. Right. They look at themselves up there on the big screen. They don't, uh, they don't look at the camera and I was like, look, look down at the camera. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's because that's where you'll be. And adaptability, right? You gotta be, you gotta be adaptable. And I just had a phone call come in, so someone give me a chat that yes, you guys can still hear me. My phone came in and interrupted. You guys, right? Someone give me a yes, so I know that you guys are still, still there with me. So those are the eight. Great, thank you. These are the eight. Connecting on common ground. So it 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 takes choice, and to be a great connector you've you know it's a choice uh, to do it so asking questions and being curious are the keys to finding common ground so this this is this is a very easy formula that i'm going to teach you that you can use in any in any time in any moment in any aspect of your life to find common ground to be able to connect with someone so the first one is f and that's for family right so you could ask people you know do you have any uh, siblings uh, uh you know do you have any children or, you know, tell me about what your family did over, you know, the weekend. I mean, everybody has a family. Everybody came from somewhere, right? So you could ask people about their family. That's the F. The O is organization or occupation. So you could ask them, what school do you work at? Or what, what role do you have at the school? If you see someone at a, you know, like any sort of event, you could ask them those same types of questions. The O is organization. The R is recreation. What do you do for fun? What do you do on weekends? And the M is mission. What gets you up, right? What's your why? Why do you get out of bed every day? So these, using these, these four, right, utilizing this form strategy, family, organization, occupation, rec recreation, and mission, you're going to find common ground. So 
Here's what I would love to do. In, in the chat box, I'm going to prove this to you. In the chat box, answer two of these questions, right? Answer two of these questions. And you could, you could put, you know, maybe where you were born or whatever. Just tell me about, you know, are you an only, only child? Do you have any brothers or sisters? Where are you from? What do you like to do for fun? Put that in the chat box. What, what, what school are you from? What's the role at your school? Just answer these two in the chat box, and we're going to see. There's about a dozen of you so on here. We're going to see what common ground we can find. Because when you go to your next principals meeting or testing meeting, I mean, right, that's, that's how you create small talk, right? You, begin, you uh, begin to build influence because as you ask questions and you find common ground, you start to identify, oh, this person's like me. We're like-minded, all right? Or, or we're like-skilled or whatever it is. That's the common ground that you need uh, uh, to be developing. Now, one massive commonality that we all have right now is we're all under quarantine, <laughs> right? So everybody's going through it. You say, what did you learn about yourself during quarantine? What did you do most often? What's the TV show that you watch? How many books did you read? Like you can ask so many questions and find common ground. Andrea is married with three kids. She loves to walk and run. Yeah, me too. So I got two kids and I love to walk. I used to run marathons. I'm done. Uh, married with two kids, missions make a difference every day. Mine too, I love it. Learning center, married, yeah. Three fur babies. Well, you just heard my dog, Dorothy. Someone left the door open, she was barking everywhere, right? So, so you start to find these like areas, and I could ask you, what's your dog's name, or you know, what are your fur uh, babies' names, uh, Stephanie? You know, you just, you, because you start to ask questions about other people, you start to ask questions about them, and then they're, you know, depending on their personality style, and that's what we're gonna talk about in a second, depending on their personality style, they, you know, they may answer in a nice, open, social way if they're a people-oriented person, or they may ask in a very short way, right, as, as a, as a task-oriented person. Now, there's four common barriers to finding common ground, and the first one is assumption, right? And this is, and this is I assume, I assume, that everybody knows, right? Everybody got the memo, right? <laughs> Everybody's had this one. Everybody got the memo about how many hours you're supposed to teach or what are their hours are supposed to be during, you know, quarantine time. Yeah. This is the this is the most dangerous leadership style ever is assumption. Because in the absence of information, we always assume the worst, don't we? So this is the first barrier to finding common ground. I assume, I assume that they already know that about me or, or whatever it may be. The second one is arrogance. They, maybe they just don't care, right? I don't care what other people know. I don't want to know what other people know. I don't want to create that connection. We're indifferent. We're controlled. Like, I'm not going to share any information. It's all about me. You'll need to know when you need to know, right? So these, so these barriers, it's all about your ego. And so if you're having a hard time connecting with people, if you're having a hard time communicating and connecting with people and collaborating and, and building really good relationships, you got to take a look in the mirror. Because it's not everybody else's fault. The only common factor in this equation is you. And that's what I had to learn the hard way. Like this is four ways that I led. I assumed everybody wanted to learn what I wanted to learn. My arrogance was off the charts. It still is. It's still pretty bad. <laughs> it was all about me. 
So, so what do we sometimes assume about other people, right? How does, how does your ego get in the way? Go ahead and write a note to yourself. You don't have to drop it in a chat box if you don't feel comfortable, but it's okay. Sometimes it's good to get it out. What do we sometimes assume about others? And I think my greatest assumption about others is everybody is like-minded and driven the way I'm driven to learn and grow and achieve and, and make an impact. That's a real unhealthy assumption. Because it leads to judgment. It leads to evaluation. It, you know, everybody should be working as hard as Tom is. That's really bad. It doesn't help, right? It doesn't help organizations. Welcome, Calvin from Rocky Mount Prep. Two children, all right, and Zebulon. I love it. So we got Murphy. So we got Zebulon to Murphy. That's a that's like a seven hour drive. All right. So how does your ego get in the way? So there's so there's six there's six hidden components to every communication. I'm I'm back on page two on your workbook here, and the first one is what you think you said what you think you said. Remember, all these happen very fast, what you think you said. Then there's what you actually said. And then the third one is what the other person heard. So what you think you said, what you actually said, what the other person heard, what you think the other person heard, what the other person thinks about what you said, and then finally, what you think the other person is thinking about what you just said. These six hidden components occur in every communication, and it happens in the blink of an eye, right? It happens that fast. But what did they just say? And these are why meetings are so bad, right? These are why meetings really struggle, because there's so much communication, but there's not any follow-up with, with, hey, now let's, now let's, you know, let's talk a little bit more about what we just agreed to or what you know we just talked about how do we document that how do we codify that how do we how do we make sure everybody's on the same page how does everybody feel about that instead we just plow along because we got to get through the meeting agenda <laughs> why can people not complete the task right yeah that's a that's a that's an assumption that i've had to live with for sure so on page four of your workbook, you're going to see um, these four styles of DISC. And maybe some of you on this, on this call have, have gone through a DISC profile with us or maybe another organization. Uh, but at the very top, you'll see, you know, you've got your Ds, your dominant styles, your I, your influencers, uh, your Ss, uh, and, and, and your Cs, your competent compliance, right? Ds, want to get, they're just, you know, drivers, want to get things done. The Is are about ideas and having fun. Yes is about, you know, more about being a status quo and steady. And then the C style is, is all about accuracy and, you know, competence. And you can read more about, you know, each of those. And the reason why I want to talk about this, because in communication, the conflict occurs here, right? It occurs through a personality style. And the communication occurs through a certain personality style. So if you're a D or an I, right, it usually means that you're, uh, that you're, you're a little bit more outgoing, fast paced and very product oriented. It's all about, you know, what are we doing? Like, what's the end result going to be? Versus if you're an S style or a C style, you're process oriented, right? It's, it's about having all those steps in order. You know, there's a process and a plan for everything. And that's, you know, that's, that's not really where a lot of conflict comes in. 
Now, if we look on this other side, on this left-hand side of the circle here, of the pie chart, if you're a D or C, you're task-oriented. Okay? So it means you think task first. What is the task that I'm charged to do? What is it that I'm ultimately going to be held accountable for? What, is, you know, what am I responsible for? But if you're an I or an S, you're people-oriented. It's more about what's the impact on people or who's going to be there or who's part of the team. Okay? Does this make sense? Some of you have seen this. Like, give me a yes if you've seen this before. I think there's some of you who have maybe gone through some of our DISC uh, trainings. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Here's where it gets interesting. Task-oriented people, they need to like you before they'll trust you, right? Amen. Like, they're like, hey, you know, I'm not going to share a lot of information. So when I was talking about when you're asking questions and if people are responding in a very short way, they're probably task-oriented. Sometimes they can be perceived as being cold. Now, if they're answering in a very sociable way and sharing everything with you, they're probably people-oriented, okay? More on the people-oriented side. Now, over 80% of the conflict in life comes task versus people, right? Or people versus task, either way. This is where the conflict lies. The conflict lies because task-oriented people sometimes think that people-oriented people are lazy. And people-oriented people think that task-oriented people are mean because the way that they communicate things. Give me a yes if you're following me. Give me a yes in the box if you follow. And here's some examples. You were late today. Or the report wasn't done on time. Or you didn't pay the bills. Or you said you would be there and you weren't. Whatever that is, the task, the result. Or we didn't even finish that project yet. Why are we moving on to another one? Why is that broken? Like, that's not broken. Why are we fixing it, right? It's all about the task. It's all about the, the process and the task here. And then when on people oriented, it's, oh, you know, they're going through such tough times. And, and you, know, you know, their mom just died. Or they've been really sick. Or this quarantine's really hit a bad like, well, it doesn't matter because it's not done, right? So, so, like you, so you're seeing this in education right now. Like you're seeing this very, very often that it's, you know, a lot of teachers are focused on the task of getting work done and getting students engaged. And they're forgetting the people-oriented side because they know that they're going to be held accountable by their supervisors by the state, by whoever, based upon the task, which is student learning. Now, they're going to evaluate themselves based upon their attempt, right? Because we judge ourselves on our intentions, but we judge other people on their results. Therefore, that's where the conflict starts to happen. Now, the interesting piece about this is, you know, I've done this almost a thousand times in five years, and the super majority of people over 80% are down here at the bottom. They're this process-oriented group, the Cs or Ss. This is where their high style is. And then I think about what just happened in education. Thousands of teachers, hundreds of thousands of teachers across the country just had to flip their brick, brick and mortar classroom into a remote classroom, a virtual classroom with no training, no resource, no clear instructions, you know, nothing. 
and they wondered why there was so much conflict and struggle at times, right? Because they need a process, they need a clear answers, they need quality instructions, they need to feel valued. But the product-oriented side of the task doesn't show that value because the value is not there. If this makes sense, I got a couple of yeses. Can a person be both task and people oriented? Well, so if you do a DISCA profile, and, and you've done one, Stephanie, um, the closer to the line you are, right? So here's, so here's an example of, of a school I just did. The closer to the line you are, right, that you are closer to just you know, being in the middle. So take a look at your DISC profile that you did, and you see how, how close you are um, on your graphs. On your graphs will show this. And if you want to get one of our DISC reports, um, you know, I'm going to give you a, a coupon code to be able to get one today if you haven't done it. I mean, there are 29 pages of really chock full information, like just great you know, personal growth um, um, information for you. Here's it uh, right here. You can go to our go to our store on our webpage. And if you put the coupon in uh, DISC25, D-I-S-C-25, all, all one word, it should be all one word, um, it's uh, $25 off. And, and you know, what I'll do is I'll take you through, we'll do a one-on-one -on -one call and I'll take you through step-by-step. -step. And there's this great communication part about communication do's and communication don'ts. Um, so it's really great. And there's a couple of people on there, so if you like it, tell the people you like it. It's changed my life. All right, let's let's hit our second. Let's hit our second and our last uh, practice and principle today. Um, connecting goes well beyond words. Right? Connecting with people goes well beyond words. And so, um, Dr. Albert uh, Marahin uh, from UCLA did a study, and he found that communication face to face has three has three components. It's what, what we say, right? So those are words. The way we say it, that's tone, and then what others see, okay? So there's three ways. Now, looking at your pie graph, right? If you were to, if you were to uh, guess which one of those is the most, right? Which percentage of communication, if 100% was you know, total, would be the most? Is it the words we use? Is it our tone of voice? Is it our body language? Put it in the chat box. Which one do you think? The words we use, you think that's, that's the most impressionable? Is it our tone of voice is the most impressionable? Or is it our body language that we think is the most impressionable? Give me a response in the chat box. So tone, okay, good, all right, body language, okay. All right, we got a couple different answers here. Body language for Calvin, all right. Yeah, so, Here's, here's the pie chart, you can put it those three. 55%, 55% of communication is body language. 7% is the words that we use. And tone of voice is 38%. I mean, think about that. So the body language is 55 and tone of voice is 38%, right? And the words that we use are only seven. <laughs> that means that over 90% of the impression that we convey has nothing to do with the words that we say, everybody. 
90%, over 90% of what we convey is not about words. Now think about that. Think about, think about your teachers in the classroom connect, trying to connect with students. You know, think about if you've watched a, you know, if you watch someone give a talk and they're, and their arms are all over, or they're constantly moving all over the screen, whether it's, you know, like on the screen now, or if it's, you know, a face to face, like it, it kind of gets distracting sometimes. Over 90% of our communication has nothing to do with the words. So, I mean, you know, I've, I've had to, you know, I've, I have a speaking coach and I have, and I have, you know, someone who helps me, you know, what should I look like on stage? How do I hold myself? How do I make sure that I stay in the box? Like all these things. I mean, there's lots of times you guys, you know, I get on these calls and you see like half a person's head or whatever, right? <laughs> like, get in the box so I can see. It's body language. It's how we present ourselves. Over 90%. So now let's, let's talk through examples of where this may uh, come up. How about, you know, in our, in our remote environment or, you know, maybe just on the phone, like how is, how is body language being communicated through the phone? Do you think you're... Your voice changes when you're standing, right? Or smiling. That's what they tell salespeople. Smile and dial. Like when you smile and talk, it's really hard to have a pretty, have a negative tone. Now, what about writing the perfect email? Why do we spend 45 minutes crafting the perfect email when a five-minute phone conversation would have covered it? Right, or just walking over to somebody. I remember when I worked at DPI, like the emails would fly, and they had, you know, they had like shrapnel attached to them. They'd be going back and forth. Why do we spend 45 minutes crafting a perfect email? What is it that we're afraid of? And so, what I love in our, you know, disc report, it talks about all those fears. It talks about this communication do's and don'ts. It really helps you have a better understanding of what it is that you're really afraid of. And to be like, well, you know, we need to write an email for a documentation. Okay, then write the email based upon what you agreed to afterwards. <laughs> Have the communication. Use your body language and tone to be able to write the ship. Communicate in a professional way. And then come on the back end and say, hey, here's what we agreed to. Because until you have commitment, until you have connection, it doesn't really matter what you say in that email anyway. Because go back to the beginning. If they don't know, like, or trust you, if they don't think that you care about them or you can help them, they're not even going to read your email. And you just spent 45 minutes feeling really good about it. Give me an amen here. Right, emails might mean possibly avoiding conflicts. And I can't imagine a time that it's ever done it for me. Just made me more angry, right? It's keyboard strength. There's nothing wrong with conflict. There's nothing wrong with having crucial conversations. The only thing that happens is our emotion, our emotion comes into the conversation, which makes it harder, right? Our fear of being blamed, our fear of being criticized, that's where the real concern is. And we have to be able to get over it because we have crucial conversations every single day. And here's on, on your page four, so the last page of your workbook, if you have it, this is my graph, and this is what I wanted to show you. It's so important to be one of the last things we talk about. So this, this uh, graph here on the left-hand side, this is the public self. So this is how I perceive that other people perceive me, right? So other people perceive me as 
and I, an influencer of, you know, you know, looking for recognition and, you know, being out in front and creating energy. I and mean, that's, you know, true. That's, you know, most, you know, most times I am organizing and, you know, creating things. It's, you know, a part of my job. But what I want you to pay close attention to is the graph number two. Because this graph number two, this is my private self. And this is how I respond under pressure. Now, if you go back to your, to your two, um, if you look at what a D, a high D and a high C, they seek two things, control and accuracy. So that means when things come under pressure, I respond through control and accuracy. It's all about me and has to be my way. Do you not think that's important for me to know and understand, you know, before I go into a crucial conversation, you know, before I go into a tough meeting, before I start to, to talk to schools about their, about their turnaround situation or, or, or to help, you know, mediate conflict. I've had to work really hard. I mean, I, you know, and I think, you know, one of the, um, the prime examples of this is, is when I was, um, I was going to speak at the uh, charter school conference last year, which was in a Cherokee. Uh, North Carolina, um, right? So out there by uh, Murphy, out by Stephanie. And, and it's about a six hour drive. And uh, my wife says, oh, you know, we love the mountains. We'll all go together. And I was like, uh, okay, we'll all go together. <laughs> so she says, we'll take one, one suitcase. It'll be easier. They'll be, I'm like, oh, okay, one suitcase. So I, so I got all my stuff together and I, and I, you know, put it in the bag. And, and then I took the shirt that I would wear when I was a speaker and and I laid it on the side, right? Because I because I always lay my stuff on top at the very end so it doesn't get all wrinkled. So um, you know, later when the the bag was packed, I took the bag down and put it in the car and and uh, we drove to Cherokee. And so like you know, like eight hours later we get there and the first thing I want to do is I want to get my clothes out of the bag because I'm speaking in the morning and and I want to you know see if I have to iron them because I'm I'm really bad at it. And, and so so I open up I open up the uh, suitcase and. My shirt and my pants are not there. <laughs> and I just immediately look at my wife and say, you did not pack my clothes. And she looks at me, she says, what, what do you mean? I don't even know what clothes you're talking about. And she's like, you know, going through the bag, you're sure they're not in here? Are you sure they're not in here? It's like, yeah, you didn't pack them. Right? I immediately under stress went for control and accuracy. Wasn't my fault. I didn't do it wrong. I should have just done it myself. Now, after a couple of minutes of realizing what a nitwit I was, you know, I said, look, there's a Walmart across the street and we'll just after dinner, you know, we'll go get something. That'll be, that'll be fine. And the next day I was doing this training and I just happened to look at my tools like, oh my gosh, no wonder I acted like that. Under stress, I seek control and accuracy. Do you not think that's important to know about yourself, right? Would you not want to know about how how your stress, you know, comes out in your communication, right? What your what your strengths are with your personality style, your communication do's and communication don't. I mean, it's an incredible tool that you can use forever because your people are your priority. Like you are communicating and achieving through people. Unless you're an independent school with only one person and you lead the school and you do everything and you teach everybody. You're not getting anything in college, but your people are your priority. And if you're not getting where you want, you got to look in the mirror because you got to start there, and that's your competition. And that's what that DISC communication uh, report does. Is it really helps you better understand you 
and understand how you're wired and how that impacts how you lead other people. Because if you don't know that about yourself, if you don't have a good accountability partner to help you, it's going to be really, really hard. So what is your connecting goes beyond word action? Like, what are you, what are you going to do, right? So based upon this hour, you spend an hour with this right now, what are you going to apply? What are you going to change? And what are you going to teach somebody? Put, put one in the chat box. That's your, that's your, that's your exit ticket for uh, today. What, what do you, just pick one thing, something you're going to apply based upon the hour we spent, something maybe you'll, you'll change in your life, right? Or maybe something you'll, you'll teach someone else. What's something that you're going to do based upon this investment? Because good intentions is coming on the webinar. Well, actually, good intentions was um, <laughs> signing up for the webinar. If you didn't come into it, right? That's intentional action. You came, so now you came and you listen. Now, what are you going to do? So, I see Andrea says connect, not just uh, communicate. Right. So, what's the? Tell me the exact action that you're going to take. Like, what is it that you're going to do uh, differently now, based upon what you know? And so, what I would love to do is is this, there's eight other principles, right? There's eight other practices and principles of that book. What I would love to do, right, as, as we recap here, finding common ground and being present is, you know, I want you to, to learn the rest. Um, so, so if you get your disc report uh, today, uh, we have a communication club and a program which has all 10 of the lessons. I'll just give that to you. Uh, you know, it'll be free. It's normally $97, but it'll be free. So if you can invest, in yourself, invest the $50, and you're going to get not only your DISC report at a discount, but you're also going to get 10 lessons on communication and, and, and uh, connecting with people. Plus, I'm going to keep on adding things into there. Um, so if you go to that link and get your DISC, you'll get that. So let me look at some of your um, – yeah, Calvin, so what will you teach someone else? So maybe there's something you learned today that you're going to teach, you know, maybe you're mentoring someone or something. Better understanding the before assumption. Good, yeah, so that's gonna be actively asking questions. Good, Stephanie, listen to understand, not just reply is powerful, good, thanks. Yeah, great job, family event, yeah. So I love it, so I got a couple, that's, that's, that is your exit ticket, and I would, love, I would love for you guys to take, take advantage of this opportunity, so hop in, it'll only be good for uh, today, so if you, so if you um, Want to get the disc report? Use that use that coupon and get it. And then I will I will throw in that communication club, which is ten more lessons uh, like this. If you learned anything uh, today, just you know, think if you get nine nine more hours <laughs> of a communication uh, lessons that to work on constantly over a lifetime, uh, you'll be better uh, for sure. So um, remember, failure is an event; it's not a person. So be careful what you say to yourselves, everybody. Uh, it's the most powerful voice that you'll hear all day. Thanks for uh, thanks for sticking with us today. If you got any comments or questions, I'll I'll hang on here. Um, if there's anything, if not, go get intentional with your family. Get those hugs after after you get your disc report. So, <laughs> bye bye everybody.